Well, welcome to the Talking People and Technology podcast. This is episode three, and I'm your co-host, David Gazzarotto. Great to be here, and as usual, um, I'm joined by my partner in crime, Jared Cameron. How are you going, Jared? Yeah, great, Dave. Thanks. Excellent. And Jared's uh, on the line over in uh, New Zealand, Christchurch, New Zealand. Uh, so it's great to, great to have you back again. Um, I've actually just uh, spent a week over in New Zealand myself, Jared, as you well know. So um, always fantastic to get over there and this time on a family holiday. So uh, very good to be, uh, you know, be back at the, at the wheel again this week. Um, what have you been up to yourself, Jared? Yeah, I think I've I've been doing the opposite to you. I've been uh, I've been travelling over to Australia actually, and um, I guess keeping the uh, keeping the business moving, and um, continuing to help a couple of clients with navigating some tricky decisions around um, what software they need to buy for for keeping their business moving. A topic I think we're going to have a bit of a look into today. Yes, absolutely, and it's a great segue. So today, folks, we're going to we're going to uh, talk about a topic that we live and breathe here. Um, certainly Jared and I, and I know a number of our uh, listeners, um, we're going to get down and dirty into the future of HR technology, and uh, it's certainly a topic that um, there's plenty to discuss. We won't have, certainly won't have enough time when we make to um, to cover everything we possibly could. No. So look, I think some of the key things that um, I'm hoping to to have a chat to you about today are, you know, we've, we've bandied the word digital HR around a fair bit. You know, I think we're using that quite commonly now in the work that we're doing with clients. So uh, let's explore that a little bit today. Uh, I'm interested in some of the macro trends that are impacting uh, the way HR techs are being used as well. So we'll, we'll look into some of those. And I, I think the bottom line here is is mobile, mobile, mobile. So uh, I know you've got some great thoughts on that, Jared, that you can share today as well. And I guess to round it out, I think I'd, we'd love to see a few thoughts uh, around how do you prepare well, you know, for the transition to digital HR, and, you know, what are the sorts of things that we can be doing in our organisations to to help navigate that path as well? So, um, look, let's get. How about we start with this notion of digital HR, then, Jared? Um, what's uh, if I throw it to you in terms of, I guess, uh, you know, what is it? What does it mean to you? When, when I think about digital HR, I think about the conversations I'm having at the moment with organisations that are talking about how their business is changing. And, um, you know, when we think about what, what, what sort of HR technology is being up until now, it's been all about, um, it's been all about process optimization. And it's been very focused on trying to make the world of HR easier and better for the HR practitioner. But when we start talking about digital HR, we're really talking about making the world better for the employee, making it easier for them to do their job and empowering them. And that's the conversations that we're having right now with a number of organizations around what they want to go out and buy in the marketplace is all about enabling an experience for an employee. What's your take, Dave? Have you seen the same sort of things? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think HR's now moved into this era of employee experience, and that's very much about putting the employee at the center of everything they do. And what we're realizing pretty quickly is a lot of the HR technology that's been deployed to date. And, you know, I've been, I know we've ascertained in previous podcasts that I'm the old timer here. And uh, I know, you know, 20 odd years ago when I first started working with HR technology, it was very much, the challenge was automation. It was getting off paper. It was Y2K, you know, the year 2000 and, and getting ourselves equipped for the 
the impending storm there. And I think what's happened is HR technologies continued to 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 let us down. It's it's driven the HR function and the events and processes that that are around that. And as the world is moving very quickly to you know this this putting the person at the centre, the technologies lagged and lagging. So I think there's there's a, a lot of stuff that we need to do now to to sort of bring ourselves forward and some real challenges around that. I guess, you know, I guess when I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking, you know, it's not just a technology exercise. And so digital HR for me is getting away from this notion of let's deploy technology to do something for us. It's actually flipping that around and saying technology is an inherent part of what we do. It invade, it's invasive in everything in our worlds now from, you know, uh, the fridge telling you not to not to take the, the chocolate bar that's in there because um, it's hooked up to the internet now and, um, you know, through to just, just uh, every aspect of our lives being um, connected to something in some way, shape or form. And we've got to help HR to leverage that and to reimagine what it does and what it brings to the organization accordingly. One of the things that's happened here is, you know, we've all, we've said this before where it used to be the, the world where corporates would always lead in the technology sort of space. But actually what's happening now is the pace of change is so rapid in our personal lives with the technology that we're using. It's actually starting to lead the corporate world. And I can just think mm-hmm. of a couple of really good examples. I mean, you think about the kind of wearable tech that most people have access to now around a Fitbit or an Apple Watch or, you know, there's there's all there's all sorts of different things that can work in that space. And actually, you've got almost better technology strapped around your wrist than you do when you walk into the workplace. And, uh, and you know, you and I were having this conversation the other day about the education sector and we've both got kids and, uh, you know, I've got a sub two-year-old that goes to daycare and I've got an app that tells me about his experience at daycare. And that his, uh, you know, the people at the daycare used to communicate with me. You know, I, I get better information about my almost two-year-old than I probably get about my own employees and in, uh, in my own organization, mm. which is, you know, surprising that that's happened. But it's happening around us everywhere. And actually, I think, you know, HR technology is possibly standing there and going, hmm, we've got a bit of a catch-up job to do here. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right, Jared. I think, um, you know, if... If if I think about how quickly the shift is being taken, it's it's going quicker than the vendors or the traditional vendors can can keep up. And um, there was uh, Josh Burson um, has has done a great article released this week uh, where he's you know he's commented on on that. And and I think I've shared this, my thoughts on this a lot over the last few months. Where I just think the vendors that we've traditionally been working with, and this is not a slight on them. This is just it's just a reality. They've actually fallen behind and we're in this situation now where uh, the end user or the end customers of, of the software vendors used to get their roadmaps in terms of what they would do next with HR technology from the vendors themselves and mm. and now you know they're in a, they're in a, they're at a point where um, what they need and the demand that's coming from within their organization is ahead of where the vendors are at and the vendors are slowing them down. So um, I think people like us are, are playing a bit of a role here to, to help bridge that gap a bit. Um, we certainly don't want to drive um, a wedge between vendors and the, the customers, but we've got to help there to be you know 
a set of solutions that are broader than just one one platform. We're moving away from the the, plat, you know, the single integrated suite models that we've we've been working with for probably the last five to ten years. So um, yeah, look, I think there's interesting times, lots of challenges ahead there. Well, I guess that conversation has changed. I mean, a few years ago, it was very much process automation. You know, um, take things from paper and put it online. But now, you know. When I think about the conversations you know I have with people that are looking at, at technology solutions, they're talking about a couple of really key things. But you know, one of them is you know make it real time, make it immediate, make it continuous. So not sort mm-hmm. of a mm-hmm. slow annual process. It's just a never ending sort of process. Second thing is get it on a mobile, get it on a tablet, make that first priority. And yep. the third thing is um, make use of this great data set that we've got to help people to be better in their jobs. And, you know, whether that's giving them powerful dashboards or, or even going a step harder and, um, and giving them prompts and, you know, helping them to understand what they should be doing to be effective in their role. So it's a really different, you know, a different conversation to what we were having two years ago. And, and it's interesting because sometimes I sit back and go, hmm, where are we going to go and find solutions that do what they're asking for? And the reality is there are some out there, but they may be just not mm-hmm. the traditional players in the market. You know, what we're looking at here is there's not going to be a single solution uh, probably for the next several years, you know, maybe maybe longer. We're, we're looking at a an era here where there's going to be some hybrids of, of some platform plays that, um, that, that build the foundation, gather the data and manage the key things that we need to be to managing um, even from a compliance perspective as well. But the real value is going to come from what we connect, and it's this notion of apps, isn't it? You know, And, and this is directly coming out of what's going on in the mm. broader world of technology and consumer technology. And, you know, that's um, it, it's really we, – we've moved away from the internet era now to the mobile era, and I think that's something that HR has to get its head around pretty quickly. Yeah, definitely. I mean – if you just um, if you think about you know something as as simple as what's your development strategy? Do you develop for web or do you develop for mobile first? And actually, some of the vendors have come out and openly said our our new and you know our dev program now is completely geared around mobile first. And I think that's a you know an indication of them responding to the market pressure to you know to provide you know really really full functioning apps and. I think the the challenge we've had is traditionally in the app space, most of the vendors have tended to just have these scaled down, very basic, very limited apps that you know really are kind of about viewing, not really about mm. doing things. But actually, what's been asked for now in the marketplace is, you know, I want to be able to go to my app and do all the things that I need to be able to do on it, which might not be that many things. It might only be three or four things, but I want to be able to do them in the app, and I want to be able to do it anywhere. So you know, I think we are seeing there is some there is some you know response from the market happening, but I, I think the whole push from mobile it happened. You know, we've all known about it for a while. It's been happening for, gosh, six to eight years, but it's only really started to explode probably in the last you know two to three years to become absolutely one hundred percent mainstream. I mean, you know, when was when when was the last time you did you opened your social media, you know, browser to look at something? You know, it's most of us are doing mm-hmm. that off our phones now, and and even I note this week that Facebook's just launched a new trading marketplace, and uh, you know, it's all pretty new. They haven't launched it on the web browser. It's <clears throat> it's only available on the app, 
And uh, you know, I think that's a, a signal of if a big player like Facebook is doing that. That's a signal of what everybody needs to be doing. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I look, you touched on a couple of really interesting things I want to pick up on there. One is, um, you know, this. You're right. We've moved away from. Uh, we're not using browsers. We're not using the internet the way that it was designed originally with you know, um, good old Netscapes and and the like. Um, where we'd open the browser, we'd interact with with a website in some way, and now we're doing it through apps, and we're doing it in context. In and I think this is the point I want to make here. It's very simplified. What makes apps work well is they're they're very contextual, and it may be you only do two or three things in them, but you you know you do it efficiently, productively, and in an engaging manner. And you know. Whereas the HR technology world, particularly as we've moved to the cloud solutions around talent management, integrated talent management, it's actually been a race to complexity rather than a race to simplicity. So we've built more and more features, functions to, to, to try and mm. sell these products. And actually what the mobile world has told us is simplify it. Don't dumb it down, but make it simple, easy to use and something that people can get the information they need, they can perform the task or the activity that they need to do, and they get in and out in the context of what they're doing, and you know wherever it is that they're connected. You know that's what mobile's about too. It's not I don't have to be at my desk now to do a performance review with someone. The other thing, Dave, is that it's not about one app to rule them all. It's about having you know mm. different apps for different purposes. And, you know, that's a little bit like owning different sets of shoes for, for doing different things. You know, you, you, you get the, the whole notion of trying to put everything into one app is actually, it's not relevant. Yep. It's not a necessary concept. And, um, and, you know, when you do a bit of reading on the types of apps that are existing in organizations, and I was, you know, one of the ones that actually Josh Burson highlights in that article he wrote was, you know, around an app that enables people globally for an organization to find a suitable place to work. Mm. Um, you know, whenever they're going to one of the offices to find a place they can touch down and they can connect with other people that are in that region or in the project they're working on. It's it's really just about um, enabling people to find yeah. places to, to get up and going. And um, and I think that, if, you know, like you've said, keep it simple. Um, it can have, it can still be feature rich, even though it's simple. Um, but it doesn't have to be, doesn't need to be complicated. Yeah, and it's, um, look, it's about that, you know, uh, I think I just ter- I coined another term there. It's a race to simplicity. I'm going to use that, <laughs> trademarked. Um, and I think if we can, you know, drive that mindset in and help out, you know, help the clients that we work with, for starters, to really understand that, you know, owning their own roadmap and determining what it is that their organization needs in the contexts um, and be courageous about how they go about solving that problem, you know, um, we used to go to our vendor and say, what's on the product roadmap for the next 24, 36 months? And we'd be told, you know, with all the safe harbor, you know, um, caveats. You know, in other words, it probably won't happen, but here's what we think we're going to be doing. Uh, and then we would have a, a strategy around hope that that feature would come in and do what we want it to do and we could we could make some use of it. I think we've got to be brave now to say, you know what? We have a particular problem that we want to solve here in our organization. Um, you know, it might be around lifting performance. And, you know, it's something that we're talking to a lot of universities about at the moment, isn't it, Jared? Where, you know, there's this, this real notion of how do we mm. create and, and support a culture 
of um, of high performance in organisations that perhaps you know don't have that notion that corporates do of you know KPIs and, and and sort of performance and reward in the way that we know it. So we've got to think inevitably around that problem, and we've got to look at different types of tools to help foster the conversations that need to be had, um, capture the insights that we need to, and and then use that to determine the interventions to to lift performance. And and I'm excited at the prospect of working with clients in that way who've got the appetite and have got the you know got the vision to be able to say, well, we're not going to we're not going to go to SAP, Oracle, Workday, whomever it might be, and and say, demo us your performance appraisal system so we can see which flavor of process automation we want to adopt. You know, we've moved on very quickly from there. That's, um, you know, I think that's something that I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep being a broken record on. There is, um, there is something interesting that's happening in the market um, around this, though. We're starting to see a number of the big tech vendors um, mm. introducing platform as a service, as, a, as an offering. And, um, and and really what that means is they're saying, hey, we know that our platform could do a lot more than what it actually does, but we don't really want to sit down and build everything. Why don't we open up the toolbox a bit, um, let some of our customers build some of their own apps, but also let some of our partners build some apps that, you know, would be helpful as well and mm-hmm. integrate those with our platforms. So, you know, when you start, you know, imagining that concept, I think the vendors recognize that, you know, um, this whole explosion of, of mobile and apps and this whole concept of people wanting things to evolve faster than they're able to move, they have to open up some other doors. And I think platform as a service is a, is a smart way to do that. To me, that's a, it, it's a bit of a reaction to um, buy versus build coming back on the table again too. Uh, you know, I think the, the opportunity to build something yourself in the app world, you know, um, we we don't have to just deploy an expensive piece of software. Now we can build an app and it'll do the job for us. And you know we can use integration or other under the surface from the user means to to deal with the information. That's um, I think platform as a service is a bit of a halfway house there, and it's it's a smart move from the vendors that are moving that direction. You know what you're mentioning there around in the mm. app world, it's possible to buy uh, and sorry to build once again. I think that's completely right, and actually, we saw that um, some years ago really kicking off in the the world of yeah. website development. You know, it used to be quite a big task to go out and have a website created, a lot of coding work, a lot of visual assets, and it used to be really complicated. And then we sorted, we started seeing the introduction of a whole lot of, I guess, almost like guidelines on on, on web development. And it's gone a step further now, and there's you know DIY website building tools now that have made it that any person can have a website. You know, you don't, it's it's completely simplified the process. We've now seen that happen in the app space. And it, you know, it used to be when they first started launching that there was a small number of skilled operators that would have a, you know, chance at being able to build a suitable mm-hmm. app. Now they're everywhere. Now anyone can have a go at creating one. We've seen it in practice with some of our clients. And, uh, you know, we have one client that has, has had an app developed in as short as 48 hours. Um, to help them with a, a key a key task that they needed to urgently perform, and it's possible to do that now. And you're not having to go international necessarily to get it developed. There will be developers local that can do it and that can turn it around at a, a ridiculously affordable price. So it puts a whole new option on the table for customers to to start considering. Actually, if we can't find what we want, should we build it? 
what's your thoughts on that? Do you think that's something that you're starting to see more of? And what, what are some of the risks, do you think, if we go down this path of, of build? I think we should be very careful about building something ourselves, particularly for an organization that doesn't build software for a living, right? I think um, I think there's a reason why there are software vendors. They have the expertise, they have the skill sets and you know the ability to manage um, you know, uh, the, the development cycles of, and, and, um, of software. So I'd be, you know, I have to be a bit cautious about that. The other thing that I'm a little nervous about in this buy versus build is um, it being done for the right reasons. I think if you're going to make a decision to go your own way and either spec something up to be bespoke built um, or you know do it yourself, um, I would hope it is not a price or a cost reaction because I think that would be the wrong reason. I think if you if you get a quote from a from a vendor for a hundred thousand dollars worth of software and you go oh well. How much would it cost for us to build that? It'll cost us $10,000 by going to freelancer.com. That is the wrong reason to do it. Um, If the reason, however, is what we do is particularly differentiated from others and therefore taking an off-the-shelf solution is uh, pushing us to most common Mm. practice where we might diminish or lose some of our differentiation, that's a smart choice to make. And that's a reason to diverge. And I think if you're working with the right software vendors for you know, your core platforms, um, they would be supportive of that. And you know, that goes back to your platform as a service. They, they would say, well, yeah, no, it's smart for, for our clients to go into some different directions where they've got some competitive advantage in doing so or you know, whatever the specific reason. Let's let's help them. Let's help them to integrate it back into the core platform and, and for it to be a seamless user experience to get to that component of the solution. Maybe it's actually for the vendors to consider they they also have the option here of buy versus build. You know, they have the option of acquisition versus create their own. And the question is, I think when the vendors are doing, you know, the build component, they've got to decide whether they're building for mobile or whether they're building for web and Actually, there's nothing to say that they couldn't be producing mm. some of these solutions that are, that the market are clearly wanting, that the market are clearly asking for. And uh, you know, I'll, I'll just point to um, I'll point to an organisation mm. that I'm aware of that you know, had a really great concept was ING Bank, and they realised that um, the barbecue conversation was a place where people tended to share their thoughts and feelings about um, their experiences of dealing with ING. So they published an app for their staff. And the app was really simple. If you're at a barbecue conversation and someone starts, you know, really bagging an experience they had with ING, mm. just ask for a few details, pop it into the app, and we'll get someone to get in touch within 24 hours that can solve their concern. So it was a really basic, simple app. It was kind of just a, you know, capture what's going on kind of thing. But it was in response to recognizing that the market wanted a better way to get in touch with the bank. And they thought, you know what, through relationships is a good yeah. way to do it. Yep. So that was a good example of an organization responding and developing something that was really practical and useful. Um, and, but I think your point is really valid here. You know, just going and doing it for the wrong reasons can result in, you know, you developing something that mm. doesn't do what it needed to do and isn't really maintained um, and isn't going to grow as your organization grows. And that's the risk, right? Build your own. You've got to maintain your own. I think yeah, the other thing that I'd say around this is um, vendors, any vendor, that, you just said vendors having a, uh, making a choice around developing for mobile, developing for web. I'm going to put this out there. I'm going to say if, if any vendor is developing 
who's sorry, any vendor is not developing for mobile first, they'll be they'll be Kodak. They'll be out. You know, they'll be out mm. of here. You know, they will not survive. Writings on the wall. Yeah, I've got a couple of. Um, I do have a couple of um, startups I'm working with at the moment who um, are, you know need to be focused on those sorts of things, and that's that's the kind of message that I'm sending very clearly to them about how they go about their development. Look, we're um, we're getting close to running our time today, Jared. So I just wanted to perhaps encapsulate our conversation with a couple of takeaways. Um, so how about I list a list these out, and if you've got any others to add before we, we end, um, you can chime in. Um, but we've talked uh, about digital HR today in the transition there, and I think um, one of the key points that I want people to take away is the, the need to own your own roadmap. Be brave. Uh, make decisions that are right for your organisation. Seek advice and input to that, but own your own roadmap. Don't follow someone else's. Managing the multiple solutions. So there is going to be an integration challenge around that. You're going to have to partner with IT to do that, um, live with it, deal with it, buy a few Star Wars figurines and get on with it. Um, mobile, Jared, this is your big point. Mobile, mobile, mobile. It's the new norm. It is, you know, everyone's um, lives are controlled by their mobile devices. Um, again, live with it. That is the norm. That's how it's going to be. Last point I'd make is, guys, you've got times right, you know, times against you here. Things are moving so quickly. You've got to get cracking or you're going to fall behind. So, you know, think about how you can take the next steps to transform the organisation to a digital HR landscape. Any parting thoughts from you, Jared? I think the um, only thing I'd add to that is you don't have to tackle all of this in one go. Um, I think the other attitude towards this is it's no longer about there being one project that solves your problems and then you, you, know, you move on and, and you sort of live with it. Actually, mm. it's, it's about just continuously looking for ways to overcome the challenges that you're facing in your organization. So start by having a look at where the biggest pain points are and focus on trying to solve those. And there might be one solution to solve them and uh, then go to the next one. And, you know, yep. it, it may result, as you've said a minute ago, that you need to integrate a few things, but um, it's also going to mean that you are progressively trying to keep up with what the market is doing and asking for. Great. Sage words from New Zealand's sharpest HR technology mind. Thank you, Jared Cameron, for being with me today. It's been a good conversation as always. Has been good. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, no worries. We will be doing the podcast live from the RE HR Technology Convention Thursday morning, the 4th of August in Brisbane. So if you're there, pop by and see us. Until then, thanks very much for joining us today and we'll see you uh, next time.